2022 Major League Soccer season is underway and your Toronto FC already have the same number of road points as they had on July 6th of last season. So small victories, even in the draws, as we start what we hope will be a much better and more thrilling campaign on this week's edition of Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney. Head on the show, we'll talk the draw in Dallas. We'll talk some JMR, the home opener, and more Italian rumors as well. We'll also be joined by Kelsey Braid, host of MLS on TSN, to chat opening weekend and plenty, plenty more. But first, the main man, Jeffrey Pinesco of Waking Red, Michael Singh of the Parlay. Gentlemen, how are we doing this week? We finally have soccer to watch. Well, MLS soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Best league in the world, guys. Best league in the world. Uh, how, how many MLS games did you guys uh, watch? Did you try and get them all in or, or just... Uh, you know, four, five, uh, two, three. What, what, are we, what's the, what's the ratio here? I was at about like five, six. Yeah, uh, yeah over the, the course too. of the weekend, maybe a little bit more. I, uh, as you guys know, obviously, I cover for the league, and I'm watching random games um, just for the coverage. And then on top of that, I don't know what it is about this season in particular. Maybe it's because of the direction Toronto FC is heading, or or the buzz around. Uh, MLS as a whole, but I found myself a little bit more intrigued to watch mm-hmm. games around the league this year as opposed to others. And maybe it's it's a result of the pandemic kind of um, at least for, for some part looking in, in a little bit of the rear view or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It just feels uh, this season is a little bit more exciting than than other seasons. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, exciting. It was a good opening opening weekend, except for the one match that I watched, which was Houston Dynamo Real Salt Lake. <laughs> that was, I, I was yeah, going to say, if, if you watched <laughs> five games, like you can count it as four, because I don't think that mm-hmm. really counts as. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I can't yeah. believe I stuck through that, too, because that was really uneventful, let alone the teams are also like, no offense to them, they're pretty dull teams. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was just, it, it was bad. Uh, but other than that, you know, the LA Galaxy, I thought that was a really good game. Uh, Chicharito mm-hmm. obviously coming up with that late winner there. The Sounders they fumbled, they fumbled in an opening weekend, which was intriguing. Uh, the New England Revolution, Josie Altador came on and he made his his debut for that club. Albeit it was it was a draw in that one, thanks to mm-hmm. I believe it was a pretty remarkable bicycle kick there by uh, it was Diego Chara or Yimmy Chara. Yeah, it was. Which one yeah, of the, it was. One of the I, it was one there. of the. I think it was Yimmy Chara, and it was. Uh, it was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Those kits, also, my goodness, do they look nice yeah, on in money. real life? Yeah, absolute money. Um, what was the nil nil draw? Was that the Houston game, or what? Didn't the didn't the yeah? Well, okay. Houston yeah, that definitely finished nil nil. That was yeah, that was a terrible. <laughs> yeah, game. That was so bad. Yeah, it, was ter- it was such a bad game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're we're advertising the the quality of MLS, and we're harping on the one nil nil draw that we all watched all the way through. That was absolutely terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great great stuff, Moss. <laughs> yep, this is looking for this, that sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the start of the season does uh does also kind of bring us into our third season though of, of doing the show we did obviously start the the show back in uh the mls's back tournament in wow 2020 and things have come a long way from then there's obviously <laughs> been some a lot of chaos around this team around this country the world in general right now and mm-hmm. um but yeah no it's it's pretty exciting to start to uh, start this the, you know third campaign with you guys uh, in some ways this is sort of the start of our third season as well true enough true enough uh, that's sentimental yep. there and big moves and big moves in the works. You guys will probably yeah. hear some exciting stuff coming down from, from our end in the next couple of weeks. Um, stay tuned for that. And we always appreciate everybody's support in the chat and all of our, 
our listeners who listen to this afterwards on the podcast. I mean, you guys are, are why we do this show and why it's it's so fun to come on every week and talk about TFC and Canada soccer and, and all of that. So, yeah, stay tuned for, for hopefully um, some exciting news on our end. Yeah, Jeff got picked up by Nottingham Forest. <laughs> and they're yeah, gonna play me. It's gonna be. It's gonna be crazy. I'm. I, I'm actually above Richie you, on the death chart. It's crazy. I walked in and they're like, and they're like, we're gonna put you right above Richie and you play outside back. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, Mike, uh, did you notice our, our for for Richie? Can we just get a moment of silence yeah. for what's going on right now? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, listen. He had to know. Um, he had to know going going in well, what, what the situation was. Everybody thinks that they're going to transcend what they already know, but he had to know. He didn't sign this deal, uh, you know, completely. He's not completely blindsided by this, is at least the the impression that I'm getting from from those in the know in the Twitterverse. Uh, Mike, we buried the lead. You did you notice our new background? We're the uh, we're the <laughs> the community kit now, and you are definitely on one side of it and I'm on the other, which, which bodes well for arguments about Sotaldo later. Although I think, <laughs> I go. think we agreed to, to never ever mention his name ever again, but, but I had to do it just once. Hey, he's doing um, a lot of years. I'm just yeah, saying. I, I was going to yeah, say, yeah, Mike, yeah. You, you asked for a moment of silence on a show that Jeff's involved in. What are you thinking? <laughs> <It doesn't, yeah. laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> this is our third, this is our third season. I hate moments of silence. Right. I will find something to vamp immediately. Apps without question. Um, uh, Mitch Kelsey is here. I see him in in the in the lobby. Just yeah, just no. an FYI. Absolutely. Let's bring him on right. Yeah, there? let's get to him. Okay. Yeah. This is always the part I hate because I can't test his audio before. So. <laughs> Am I here? Is the audio working? There you go. Oh, awesome. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now I can exhale. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Now joined by uh, Kelsey Braid of MLS on TSN. How are you doing, Kelsey? Great. Great to join you guys on this Tuesday. Talk a little soccer and what was a. A pretty fun opening weekend in Major League Soccer for not only us at TSN, but just across the league. Yeah, absolutely. A little less exciting than your usual panel. You know, you don't have one of the best players of Ireland's history and one of the best players of Canada's history. Yeah. <laughs> you just have me, Mike, and Jeff. But <laughs> Hey, I am the new... I am the new right back for Nottingham Forest. I just wanted... Like, there you go. So, you know... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was a fun weekend. And yeah, I, I heard you guys chat about Richie there. Uh, unfortunate what's going on, but hopefully, hopefully there's a resolution coming that way. But um, yeah, it, it kind of stinks because you had all that momentum of him finishing off yeah. last season on that high, then taking the national mm-hmm. team with that next high. And then all of a sudden, it, it's a pretty big speed bump that he's kind of hit in the last month or so. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the the coming weeks or something like that, but hopefully there's a, a resolution there because you, you want him to keep on playing. You want absolutely, him to get absolutely. the national team and especially with this team going to Cotter and in, in, in the fall, like you want him at his very best and not playing or not even being featured on the bench. I mean, that's yeah. Not not yeah, good. Yeah. Not good. No. Kelsey, I mean it's weird. Wonder, Sorry. I was gonna go say ahead. you just have to wonder about his spot on on the upcoming March roster. Does that put that in jeopardy perhaps because we know how important he is to that team but this guy hasn't been been even featured in match day squads for the most part so there's a lot of competition now up and coming for that that spot there at right back specifically and you, you just have to wonder which is disappointing but he did sign what like a four-year contract with Nottingham Forest mm-hmm. so this is I'm sure is a long-term move and it, it they're in the battle or in the midst of a battle for um, finishing in the top what, top eight or top Promotion, six there. Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah, they're in that. But you have to wonder, right? 
You do to a certain extent, but the one thing about John Urban from what I've gathered is guys that he's played in the past, he's, he's fairly loyalty. Things would have to go sideways. So maybe he isn't featuring um, as many minutes or getting as many minutes when he comes back for those three games at the end of March. Um, But I still think his, his place is secure. I mean, that's the one thing about Richie, like he's, even from his days in Orlando, when he got let go, he's always had that chip on his shoulder. So you give yep. him an opportunity to impress. And I think that's all he really wants with, with Nottingham is like, give me that opportunity. Like, show, let me show you what I can actually do in yeah. a match day scenario. Because um, we know he can do that with the national team. But I mean, it's just a matter of getting those consistent minutes, not allowing his overall um, endurance and all that sort of stuff to, to kind of drop and his match day fitness levels to drop, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's any consolation, you know, the the Nottingham Forest supporters are equally puzzled as to why he hasn't mm-hmm. had a start yet because they were super yeah. excited when they signed him. Um, obviously, the guy in front of him in the depth chart is is playing out of his mind right now. That his name escapes yeah. me, but uh, you got You got to imagine that that it's sooner rather than later that Richie gets a shout. And you know, you got to believe, like you said, that if he's get presented an opportunity, he's going to take it. And, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe this is all for naught and we're, we're really freaking out over mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, yeah, if there was ever going to be a time for him to not start, it's when we've already qualified yeah. for, for, for Cutter. So, yeah. And, and I guess the other thing is like the entire conversation, uh, we've been having this conversation on the women's side for a long time about how uh, many lengths the Canadian women's soccer team has achieved over the last decade. The fact that we're finally doing this with the men's team and we're upset when, our national team players sign overseas and aren't getting the moments that we think are justified based on what we've seen, not only in major league soccer, but on the national team scene. Yeah. I I think it's, it's a good problem that we have right now, but definitely an issue that I know Richie would want to get sorted out ASAP and get featuring in some matches over there. I have a theory about that. And I think it's because we, we, we see what's happened with us men's national team fans and celebrating guys that are career bench warmers. And we don't want that to happen yeah. to us. So we're, no. we're very worried that that might be the case where suddenly all our guys are going to Europe and we're going to celebrate them, but they don't actually get meaningful minutes. And, uh, Jeff, we've you seen don't what pass that's an opportunity to take a but, shot at the U.S. Yeah. Men's nope, team. never, not ever, not once, not ever. <laughs> but I mean, Sorry. But I mean, yeah. Alfonso and Jonathan and, and Kyle have kind of set that bar really 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 high and, and even Akiva yes. for all those years kind of set that Absolutely. bar so high that now that we think that when we see them all together on the pitch with the national team that they are fairly equal because they all push each other they all push each other to be better and so we expect that every single player is playing a major role in some either European <laughs> yep. side or, or MLS side every time they mm-hmm. step on the field and for the most part over the last couple of years, we've seen that ascension so that they, they actually are in every in yep. spot that they land, that they're they're actually getting the minutes they deserve and that they've earned. Yep, 100%. Well, speaking of setting the bar high, Toronto FC going into the season set the bar pretty low considering their, their play yeah, last what year. What a segue. What um, a segue. <laughs> <laughs> what was your... until you said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jeff, <laughs> see, this is the issue. Jeff always ruins my segues by shouting them out. I got like but... a code word or something, or just yeah. like a look that I give you. So that <laughs> yeah. You know that I know. Yeah, the you know. Work, I think it does yeah. like segue okay. alert yeah. or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. work this... Get me an air horn. Uh, uh, segway <laughs> klaxon, like a like a morning radio DJ. Anyway, go ahead, Mitch. Ask yeah, your question. yeah. I think the segway klaxon will throw me off more than you interrupting. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess your your thoughts on Toronto FC's opening match and and obviously. A, an away draw but uh, I think a lot of positives to, to take from it 
Yeah, I, I think there was a, were a lot of positives. The fact that they don't usually go down to Dallas and get anything from those matches. The way oh, the that they started. Yeah, and the rainstorms. Yeah, that too. That was <laughs> that was something else. The, the entire weather on the on the West Coast and, and in Texas this past weekend was kind of messed. But um, yeah, I, I was impressed with it. I was impressed with the second half, more so the first half. It's definitely a game they grew into. Uh, my big takeaways, obviously, like Jaquiel was, was, grew into that game. There were so many questions there. Jacob, I think, on the, on the left side, got a little bit more comfortable as the match, match went on. Uh, but Salcedo, for me, was kind of the big takeaway from, from that one. He looked, he looked great. And even better in the second half. I know that was a tactical change that Bob made there. And I think um, he and O'Neal, I think, just kind of linked up a little bit better as a partnership at the back. That's not to say that uh, Mavinga won't get his crack again. But I think after what we've seen the last couple of years, especially at the center back position, uh, he's a welcome sight uh, to, to TFC. And I think the fact that they're going to be fighting for minutes and playing having those options, at least for right now, with Bob having those options at center back, I think is only going to be a good thing for this club to kind of shore that up. Um, Pozuelo, I, the first half being defensively was kind of a, a, bit of a bit of a mess out there, but when he was yeah. able to be freed up in the second half and be able to create and be able to do what he wanted, then then you could kind of see that that joy come back uh, on on his face and in the game. Um, yeah, there was I, a lot of positives. Like how you said, the bar was set pretty low coming into this season. And for them to do that against an FC Dallas side that in many ways is trying to figure itself out as well. But the fact that uh, you look at, at Toronto, just their, their preseason, um, and just still, I don't think having the roster that Bob Bradley wants, obviously with Insigne coming this summer and other additions being made. We know this isn't the final product of TFC that they're trotting out. And it's like, here you go for 34 games. This is what you're, you're going to get. I think it, I think there was a lot of positives just for that, those reasons alone. I'm going to replace my question with a viewer question. A friend of the show, Rachel Dory, we're just going to get into the VAR thing right (laughs) off the hop. She wants to know your thoughts on VAR and how it's being used. I mean, it's obvious that clear and obvious is kind of been ignored here. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on, on VAR? Because it's not just MLS over the weekend where it, where it had a a mayor. It was, it was pretty much global soccer, you know, collectively had a, had a, had a big VAR meltdown. So, so moving forward, what, what do you think is the solution here? I I don't know what they're, why they're trying to fix what wasn't broken. Like remember when VAR started in major league soccer and then it rolled its way out in Europe. And we everyone do, yeah. was saying, why don't you do it like MLS? Why don't you do it like like that? And then all of a sudden, there's those issues there. I, the, the, the entire officiating of that game w- was, was, was tough to watch because everything kind of seemed <laughs> like it was. Yeah, I see the thumbs yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it was tough to watch because, like, the first goal, I mean, the build-up play, the pass, like the where they start the VR screen, the German Marufo had to go have a look at it. The ball had already left, like the freeze frame that they started at. The ball had already left yeah. his foot, and he was in an offside position. So, part of me was questioning. I know Kevin and Julian had a much stronger take on it um, about where whether or not they were looking at the the exact uh, at the correct uh, offside or what was alleged to be offside on that one. And then the the one on Pozuelo. The more and more I watch it. To me, it looks like Pozuelo does go down soft, a little softer than than he should have. 
But at the same time, when you look at the, the motion of the defender coming in, it's Pozuela who pops the ball up over him. Yes, it glances his shin and then he's brought down. So in my opinion, still, it, it was a missed, a missed wing of the ball, to, uh, like a tackle, and he actually brought Pozuelo down. Whether yep. it was uh, an egregious tackle or a soft tackle that brought him down, in my opinion, it, it's still a foul. So I know there's different voices around the league right now on that specific uh, Pozuelo one saying that they got the call correct. But I think there was nothing, in my opinion, from either of those two plays that was clear and obvious for the for yep. VAR and the assistant VAR to have interceded on that and have Jair Marufo go over. Because you're, you're, as referees, you're told, and Howard Webb has said this, and all the co-referees yep. have been told this, like, trust your instinct. We will intercede when something is has gone wrong. And their instincts, especially on that one, obviously Toronto got bailed out on the, the second goal that got peeled back there. But yeah, on that one and the penalty, um, they trusted their instincts. And their instincts were, in my opinion, correct. And there was nothing clear and obvious to have them come back and say, go look at that. Because as soon as he has yep. to step over to that monitor, he's being told uh, in yep. his mind at that point, not by anyone this year, but just his own conscience being like, I must have missed something. So now I need to look yes. at it. And if these other people are stepping in to say, my decision or my assistant referee's decision was incorrect, then I'm being I'm walking over to the screen already doubting that my initial 100%. and what I went with uh, is incorrect. So it's it's not a great position to uh, sorry about that guys not a great position no to, to put your your referee into in those situations when it's something isn't clear and obvious and i know i've used that clear and obvious a thousand times but that's <laughs> well i mean that's that's what's on the box right so game, yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah no i agree with that, you i think i think it becomes an ego play right like the second that that ref goes to the screen i mean Generally speaking, they're not going to have the cojones to, you know, when you send them to the screen, you're, it becomes an, an ego hubris kind of play as opposed to the laws of the gameplay. And and uh, I don't much like it. Uh, and I agree with you. I think we had it right when we instigated it as a, as a sort of test bed, as a sort of, you know, uh, carrier pigeon or, or, or uh, whatever the term is. And now it's sort of gone a little pear-shaped on us. And, and uh, I think we need to nip that in the bud uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And, and that's something they might... Like they might look like look at it at the end of this weekend and they might meet mm -hmm. again and be like, Hey guys, we need to really sharpen what we think is clear, clear and obvious. And I know they're not there yet, but I know they're going to like a centralized location in Atlanta in a couple of weeks where yeah. all the matches are going to be fed out of this or fed into the same building. They're going to have different bays set up for the different officiating uh, VAR crews, which I think is important. Then they're going to have an overall supervisor monitoring that not that that supervisor supervisors coming in and saying what he wants them to do. But at the same time, I think, um, I think that's an important step in it to maybe have more of a yep. centralized voice than having it broken up in so many different stadiums throughout the weekend. Then, 100%. Uh, if something, if something happens on Saturday, uh, let's say stuff was done just out of Dallas and there's a game in Portland on, on Sunday, um, there's the, already that physical dis disconnect because of just geography, but if they're all in the same location, there's a better chance for them to say, Hey, this is what happened on Saturday. Uh, let's make sure that that doesn't happen on Sunday, or at least up your threshold of what you think is clear and obvious. Absolutely, absolutely. Mike, you got a question? Michael, yeah, for sure. And I want to ask you, Kelsey, uh, your impression on Toronto FC's new number nine, uh, Jesus Jimenez. 
Uh, this is a guy yeah. who I believe is is one of the most under the radar kind of signings here uh, with with Toronto SC specifically, and he's he's playing an important role for the club. So, what was your impressions on on him overall? Yeah, I found that his movement in the second half, and this is not a knock on on DeAndre or Jaquiel, but they were talking a little too much on the right side. So, anytime that the ball would get built up to him at the top of the eighteen or just inside the area there, they were there kind of taking away that space. When that changed in the second half, especially, I found Jesus uh, had a much, much more free-flowing game from where he was able to roam and go where he wanted to. But I, I've been reading your pumping of his tires, and, and I agree. Everything that he's done so far in the lead-up in training camp, preseason, and, and to now, I think he is going to play an important role. And I think uh, he's just a different look for this team. I think he... If he has the, the opportunity, if the roster, like the same game day roster, the 11th remains the same and Pozuelo's out there and Osorio's out there and they're able to start connecting a little bit more even with Jaden Nelson and the more they get familiar with each other, I, I think it, it bodes well for TFC, uh, especially in the short term and, until, um, until maybe a more stable solution comes in. But for right now, I think he's providing the stable solution up top for, for TFC. I think that's the yeah, key absolutely. and that's something they've probably been missing uh, the last couple yeah. of years with all the ins and outs with injuries, he's, he's stable. And what mm-hmm. a lot is he's going to have some competition uh, when yeah. Iowa Canola comes and, back and, and, and that's a good this thing, summer right? as like well. You want yeah. Io, yeah. Like when Io gets back up to full health, you want that competition. If Jesus is continuing to play like he has and since joining. And, and at the same time, I think Jesus would want that as well because then he's not allowing himself to get comfortable or drop or anything like that. He's going to have someone pushing for, for minutes and, and for a spot right there, because we know IO like right now, I, I would say his, the likelihood of being on John Herbin's world cup team is, is quite low just because of what he's gone through over the last year. But at the same time, if he comes in and has a hot summer um, and he's being pushed by Jesus, uh, Jesus and, and others on the team, then maybe that elevates him a bit. But at the same time, I think for IO, most importantly for him, after what's been just a, an awful year, just with injuries and off off field stuff with with the uh, myocarditis, is that um, you just want to want to see him get back out on the pitch and doing what he actually yeah. loves. And until we get that, then you can't really assess. I but I know he has the hunger inside of him, and and I think that's only going to push this team if he comes back hungry. It's going to take him a while to, to ramp up to full speed, but at the same time, I think that's that's only a good thing for TFC. And just in that same light, that just means that this window right now for Jesus Jimenez is is more important yeah. for him because he has a shot here yeah. to really get in the good books, I guess, let's say, of, of Bob Bradley here. But I'll throw it back to you, Mitch, because I know you have another question. Well, yeah, as much as we like to keep things Toronto-centric on this show, there are two other Canadian MLS teams <laughs> um, yeah. who, who played this weekend as well and who you know have, have a lot of interesting storylines, uh, the both mm-hmm. of them coming into the start of the season. What are some of those... Uh, those stories that you're looking for from CF Montreal and uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, for CF Montreal, it was it was a tough one. They like their preseason obviously got going a little bit earlier, training camp, everything like that, as they got ready for Champions League. Um, they played a, a fairly weak Mexican side in Santos Laguna, but when I spoke to to Wilfred Dancy on on Friday ahead of their during our broadcast call, did um, an interview with him and I asked him about now balancing. Uh, MLS and CCL and that's always been a challenge for MLS teams especially at mm-hmm. the start of the year so 
as much as we wanted to see CF Montreal just continue what they did against Santos Laguna and take that down to Orlando, um, they just weren't able to do it. I mean, mm. Alistair Johnson, in our opinion, played a pretty good game. I know Kevin and Julian kind of ranked him in, in the seven, seven out of 10, giving exactly what Alistair Johnson should give you each week. But I, I don't think they had enough in, in their tank yeah. to, like they, that being said, I would argue, and, and I'm in agreement with Kevin and Julian, that they probably have the deepest roster out of any Canadian side that hmm. you should be able to put a player in and there shouldn't be that much of a drop-off or a noticeable drop-off. For so now. I look at CF Montreal <laughs> and I think for right now, I think it's all in on, on CCL, uh, which is the, the correct call. Um, mm-hmm. and, and by all in, I don't mean Josie Altador all in where you just throw the kitchen sink, as he was saying a couple weeks ago, <laughs> uh, at, at trying to win Champions League. But I mean, you, you understand the balancing there and you see the strengths that CF Montreal has in defending and, and the quick transition game. But you still wonder where the goals are, are going to come from. Uh, Romel Kyoto can't go uh, nipple twisting or punching or whatever the heck he was trying to do on that <laughs> on, on that red card there. Like that, that's the yep. leave leave mm-hmm. in the locker room at halftime. I know he's he was getting uh, there was the, the <laughs> tensions were rising there. But I mean, mm-hmm. you, you got to leave that stuff behind and not not hurt your team more than it needs to be hurt yeah. right now when your roster is being. Uh, stretch as much as it is with uh, CCL and MLS. So I, I like um, what Montreal does. I know Stevie Caldwell is placing Montreal quite high in the Eastern Conference table for the end of the season during our preview show. Um, so I, I could see them being a, a playoff team. And then out west with Vancouver, it's it's all about Vanny Sarkini. And if he's actually able to keep that new coach bump effect, obviously he's not the new coach anymore. But when mm-hmm. he came in last season, you have players who are fed up at that current situation and they're willing to do anything to have something go positively or turn in a different direction. And he came in there with his enthusiasm. He came in there with uh, his Tinkerman mentality and was able to move little pieces around. I don't like the way that they kind of had um, Ryan Gold and Ryan Ty- uh, Russell Tybert up. It was kind of an inversion. They usually went with like the dual pivot last year and then had yep. Gold just sitting underneath the dual striker. Um, I don't like that tinkering. Um, but that being said, I like Sebastian Berhalter's effort in the second half coming off the bench mm-hmm. in place of Baldissimo. Um, but there's too many players there, especially on, on Saturday, that just didn't look ready for game one of the season. And, and sure, game one and game two are against Eastern Conference foes and don't really affect your place of giving up points against Western-based teams. But True. at the same time, these are opportunities still for you to go and try and get a road point or put in a good performance or at least get yourself to that next level and better better game shape. So I, I don't like what uh, how, how Vancouver played or approached that game at all. Some of it was injury-related, like Brian White. Um, if it was game 28 out of 34 and they're trying to make the playoffs, he would have played on, on Saturday. But at the yeah. same time, I just don't like the buy-in to Sartini's plan that he laid out for them on Saturday and maybe that forces them to shift back to more of the two guys at the back but um, like the fact that Leo Wusu wasn't featured kind of shows that maybe his training camp camp and preseason didn't go as well as expected and that's a person that Sartini, a player that Sartini relied heavily upon down the stretch last year playing in, in the mid and the fact that he's not even there on, on game one it to me is a bit of a warning sign and, and just based on their overall effort after match day one, uh, a bit of a warning sign. That being said, it is game one out of 34. So 
they could completely change things around this weekend at home against New York City. True enough, true enough. Uh, since it fe- it feeds so well into my question, uh, which of the three Canadian sides do you think had the best offseason? And conversely, which one do you think had the worst offseason? Power ranking. Uh, I, th- I, th- Vancouver, I think Vancouver had the worst. Um, okay. That being say, that being said, they were able to stabilize Brian White. But anytime you lose Max Crepo, like that's that's one of the best shot stoppers. That's one of the best keepers uh, in the entire league. Um, mm-hmm. And I I don't know how you replace it. I think in those early moments against Columbus, like they conceded, I think it was eight minutes in uh, Miguel scoring for Columbus. Yep. It, you would have Max Crepo yelling at defenders, but also at the same time <laughs> trying to calm everyone down. At the same time, I don't think Thomas Assault is there yet. Can he get there? Sure. But he's been handed the number one job without having to actually fight for the number one yep. job. Max Crippo left. Um, I don't know if they have plans to bring in a more experienced backup keeper. It sounds like they may not go that route. But at the same time, um, that's a lot of pressure to put on on a young Thomas Assault, uh, who only has Huge 16 amount. appearances. Yeah, 16 appearances with the, the White Caps across all comps. I mean, that that's a lot to ask from him. And there were those hectic moments in pretty much every single match last year when the White Caps played. There was always that uh, rare times there wasn't, but in every single match there was those hectic moments where Max Crepo made that save, or a defender was able to cover him off after he came out to challenge, who was able to clear the line. But there was those little rallying moments, and that's what was crying yeah. out in the first game. That being said, like I said, uh, that's something that Thomas Assault can can add to his game and I, and we'll see if that does happen. But at the same time, I think there needs to be a little bit more, whether it's in the form of experience keeper, but someone else pushing him other than him feeling like the weight of weight of the entire yep. team is, is on his shoulders. But I mean, he, he's a, he's a very bright keeper, uh, decent shot, like decent to good shot stopper. So I, there, I have no concerns uh, on that end for them. Uh, Montreal, I think um, is in the middle. Montreal did what they needed to do. They're never going to go out to get that, um, or they they haven't been able to go out to get that big goal score. I mean, like uh, you, you look at Scotty when he was there during his his days, uh, like he he was uh, massively underrated for what he did for the, for that. Oh yeah, for that absolutely. Side. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And so I mean, like the and like they PDA Drava, like all those types of little things, like. They did what they needed to do. They know that if they have Romel Kyoto, Mason Toy playing at a decent to high level, walking towards being able to chip in Mihailovic, if he's able yep. to even replicate anything close to what he did last season, they're not going to be a team that goes and uh, fills the net every single match. But they're the team that can go and score that important one or that important second yep. goal. And then on the back Absolutely. end with Camacho there, Kamal Miller, the, the, the link ship and the friendship that Kamal and Alistair Johnston have, is good. Uh, Joel Waterman's another guy who I think, um, not not an everyday starter, but he's a guy who can come off the bench and provide that depth. Or when your roster's stretched, I think he's a guy that can come in there. But you, you look at the midfield, even Kone, like the, the we'll see what what he's all about. Like he's just a youngster. Yeah, sure. But if you have Wanyama there next to you, and you're able to see how Wanyama uses his presence. Wanyama looks, in in my opinion, compared to last season and the one before, in fantastic shape. Yeah, um, best so I think he's that's ever looked. Only, Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a positive for them. And, and then in goal, like I know <laughs> the guys were having fun during the halftime show 
uh, because <laughs> Brezza was just playing the ball out as if he was just a, a, another center back out there <laughs> on goal kick. So I think, yeah. um, I think there's a lot of positives there. But when you look at the the big splash signing, it's it's obviously PFC. And um, that being said, does that translate to Montreal or Toronto or Toronto finishing higher than Montreal in the standings? It might not. But as far as biggest yeah. off seasons and most important off seasons. I think that definitely for, for TFC, because they have a lot, lot further, as you said at the beginning, a low, low bar, low expectations to start the year. They have a lot higher to climb to get back into a playoff spot where Montreal just Fair. missed out on, on final day. Absolutely. Yeah, watching that game, it's, it's actually bizarre to think uh, this offseason that Montreal left Victor Wanyama unprotected mm-hmm. in the MLS expansion draft. And to see yeah. the type of player that he is, the role that he's playing for this squad, it's it's honestly mind blowing for me that that happened. I mean, we're we're not privy to all of the financial details that goes into right. you know signing a contract like that, so maybe that played a role. Um, but it's just it's it's bizarre just to see um, overall. Kels, go ahead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you it, want it to isn't. Chime in it isn't. But if you, but I mean, if you were if you're looking at Victor Wanyama of last year or before, like would you risk that yep. finan- like how you said the financial aspect of it would you risk that if it's not a mo- motivated Wanyama um mm-hmm. obviously back when the draft goes down they don't know that Wanyama is on a mission to maybe restore his his stature as as a in my opinion could be one of the best midfielders in the entire league if he lives Absolutely. up to what his billing and his previous billing was so if you don't have that guarantee or you're not privy to that, like you were saying, Michael, like then I don't know if, if, if I'm an expansion side that I go and attach my, my wagon to that. But I think now maybe <laughs> when you look at, Oh yeah. Now, now, yeah. Champions League, now yeah. it's like, Oh, you missed out, but uh, hindsight, mm-hmm. I mean, hindsight, right? Yeah. Always 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mitch. Well, yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll let Kelsey go here unless do you have one more question there, Mike. I can always come up with questions. <laughs> All right. No, 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 no. We'll let, we'll let Kelsey go. <laughs> oh, let, let me ask you guys a question. I don't oh, know. If, mm. uh, sorry, I was Ooh. in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Who had the biggest weekend? And it can be team or player. Who had the biggest weekend? Mm. Like, are you saying like Carlos oh, Vela? Okay. Yeah, uh, Vela. Absolutely saying, Vela. Like Carlos Vela on Thursday saying, hey, I'm out of contract at the end of June. And then by the 50th minute, he's got himself a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. 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 Taylor Twelman says they're already penning his his extension papers i but got one is it, I, is it him or is that is there a team that kind of jumps off the jumps off the screen i, I got dom dwyer come on yeah oh, that's dom true that true. hurts <laughs> that hurts so bad not wow good shout mike yeah. absolute goal like beauty of a goal he got a shot on target boys over a year how, how frustrating was that for tfc not only the oh. players last year but the fan base as well to see yeah. him struggle the way he did last year and then mm. get sent bought out all that other stuff ends up in in atlanta and then and scores what i thought was one of the better better goals of the weekend too oh it was a banger it was yeah. a super banger it was to do unbelievable that and then just to smash yeah. yeah i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Mike wins. Mike, no, Mike wins. That's the winner. I mean, yeah, that, that, from a TFC perspective, there's there's nothing there's nothing yeah, worse than the dagger, the you. Dom Dwyer dagger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ali, Ali Curtis is somewhere in the MLS next pro offices going like, come on, man. What, <laughs> what the heck? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll give a shout to Austin FC as well. Like, it was nice to see them 
finally, you know, bag a bunch of goals and a, a good start to their second season in the league. But who did they play against, uh, Mitchell? Who did, who well, did they that, play against? Uh, I mean, yeah. that's fair. Well, that's why I'm not mentioning that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were so many times the Austin fan base showed up last year because the promise was they were supposed to be a little bit more attacking minded and it, it didn't translate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got you can only beat what's in front of you and they thump truth on opening day. So you, you got to give them full marks yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, one of my favorite things is every team at the beginning of the season, the, the first press conference is always, we're going to play high octane attacking soccer. <laughs> and that lasts maybe a week before they're, you know, they're bunkering down because they're not as good as they need to be to play high yeah. octane no. attacking soccer. No. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, some, but, but I'll, I'll let you guys go in a second, but that triggered some like, mm-hmm. PTSD to how Chris Armas approached last. Oh, season yeah. With the team starting, oh, yeah. Starting in Orlando of all places and with the roster mm-hmm. that they had. And it's like the yeah selling selling high. Well, Kelsey, look at the look at the injury play. report on uh, yeah. on opening day for TFC. We had Iowa yeah. Canola who yeah. suffered his injury last year, so no one. And look at the injury report on opening day last year. There was like ten names on yeah. that list for the first seven yeah. weeks. To be season. fair, Mike, we we had at least forty times more players on the roster <laughs> at the start of last year. Than this year. So <laughs> so true. law of averages. Not nearly the, to, the names that to, from yeah. To, to, to be fair, like <laughs> if anybody gets injured, they're gonna have to hire me. So you know, <laughs> like fun. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to yeah. Nine. Yeah, was, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I can multitask, guy. It's just, a, it's just <laughs> okay. a plane ride. Like, you can know, Richie? give me. Yeah, <laughs> I am the new Richie. Yes, yes, that's my uh, middle name. I forgot what I was going to say, and it was witty. So you might as well let Kelsey. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate uh, yeah, it, guys. Thanks, thanks yeah, for having me. Awesome. Yeah. All the best. It was awesome. Well, thanks for week. thanks for stopping by. Well, we, we'd love to have you on again. Uh, good good luck for the next uh, the next round of games, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, right. there we go. You did mention the the injury report. And I think that's actually a good place to to build into Toronto FC's one, one draw with FC Dallas, because for me, the pivotal moment of that match is you see Chris Mavinga go out, go out at half. And I mean, everyone's first reaction is, Oh, what, how did this guy already get hurt? But we find out after the game. Yeah, exactly. We find out after the game. That's not the case. This was a tactical decision from Bob Bradley. And, really an early indication of what Bob Bradley brings to Toronto. FC love it. I love a guy it. And who's I, willing yeah. to like cut anyone at any moment. And it, you know, it, it did change the game. Now, obviously there, there's a couple of factors here. One, um, if you write off Chris Mavinga after one good or one bad performance, uh, we wouldn't have an MLS cup. Uh, True, <laughs> enough. The case. True enough. True so, enough. Hey, remember his debut at Atlanta. We were all yeah. like, what were we thinking? It, like he had exactly, a howler yeah. of a debut. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think that Shane O'Neill is the guy yet, but I also no. think that there's, there's positives in the fact that last year, Chris Mavinga is not having a good performance. Chris Armis um, or Javier is looking down their bench and they're like, uh, who who we putting in here now? Yeah, yeah. Now Bob yeah. Bradley actually has options. I'll, I'll let you guys yeah. build on that. But that for me was the the turning point in that game. I mean, you know, subbing out your center back is is never. It's not in the list of of, of best practices in terms of halftime subs, right? I know enough about the game to know that. So it's always a it's always a surprise to me when that sort of thing happens. But he was asking to get subbed out. He was all over the place. I mean, he was doing no favors to our new uh, converted attacking fullbacks. He was leaving them exposed far too often, uh, chasing the ball. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on him moving forward because, you know, if anybody, he may have suffered the most as a consequence. And this is weird to say because he didn't feature a lot last year. 
but now he I feel like he doesn't know what to do on this on the team and he's trying to be the guy when he can let Salcedo be the guy and go back to being the Mavinga that we know and love which is the slide tackle uh pain merchant that just comes you know uses his pace to to really 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 save our skins when necessary as opposed to that sort of holding center back in in the more classical style and I wonder I wonder if you agree with that I actually thought it, it it's the opposite um wouldn't it well, be Mike a, if you didn't? Let's go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> There's yeah. that divide line. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought there there were times in the game where he it was just a, a brain lapse, honestly, where mm. he just leaves uh, runners. He kind of loses his positioning. Uh, there were a couple times in that first half where I thought Dallas could have been ahead, maybe three nil by the end of mm-hmm. that first half. And a lot of that, I'm pointing the finger at Chris Mavinga because of just where he is on the field and what exactly he's doing during that time. Um, he was, as you mentioned, Jeff, I agree with you that he was a little bit all over the pitch. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way that Chris Mavinga feels, but I want to challenge Chris Mavinga if I'm the coach. And I, I want to say like, be, be a, a force at the back, but also don't be afraid to take control and, and move the mm-hmm. ball up on your own. I thought too often his decision-making was to kind of leave Jacob Schaffelberg and hang him out to dry there on the left, left back and play that easy ball to Jacob when he could perhaps get his head up, look forward and play a ball through the middle of the park that wow, fair. the press and, and the defense a little bit more. So that's something that I want to see um, in terms of Bob Bradley. Let's, let's get his quote here quickly on Chris Mavinga. And, and he was asked about the couple of changes that he made at halftime. And he said, you know, Chris, one of the biggest, the biggest thing we continue to challenge Chris with is just his ability to stay more tuned into everything that goes on around him at times. Hmm. It still means that he loses certain things building out of the back in the first half. We had a few moments where I didn't think our decisions were good and we felt it was just a way of changing the game at halftime. So that was Bob's impression of Chris. So I guess moving forward, we can kind of see it through uh, that, that lens and kind of pay attention to actually how Chris adjusts his game moving forward. But I'm, as you mentioned there, Mitch, off the bat, it's definitely not something we're going to write him off for. This was a guy two years ago was nominated for MLS Defender of the Year. I think he finished fifth Absolutely. or sixth in, in voting that year. Um, this is a guy we know he's he's quality when he's on his game. Now, obviously, with the new manager coming in, is he the type of center back that the manager loves? I mean, I'll tell you, before before Bob got here, uh, Chris Mavinga was in, in his plans. So I, I don't foresee that changing just because of one game. Yeah. And let's let's kind of pay attention to how he bounces back. But perhaps more importantly, uh, come on, guys, Shane O'Neill. And yeah. this is a guy who TFC haven't had for a very long time. A guy who could comfortably step there. in off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he did exactly what he did for the Seattle Sounders for years. And that's mm-hmm. provide capable minutes when, as, as Kelsey kind of mentioned, when your roster is stretched out a little bit. And that's exactly, in my opinion, what what he did. He proved that he's a serviceable MFLS player. And that's all you really need next to someone like Carlos Salcedo, who is is absolutely fantastic he's at the back. A, he's a rock star. So I thought yeah, Shane, Shane, O'Neal, Shane O'Neal's uh, stock definitely increased a little bit over the weekend. As silly as this sounds, he's a defender who defends. And Toronto <laughs> hasn't had enough of I those mean, defenders. Who, I like, mean, that's the yeah. mentality, right? Like, you need... Yep, you need yep. you, need at least a couple guys and this isn't just a Toronto FC thing I think this is a thing in world football as a general yep. as attacking mm-hmm. play gets more and more 
um, emphasized as kind of the key part of the game is there aren't enough players in world football in general who look at the defensive side of, of the ball first. And having a guy like that is is very important at, at several yeah. times. And he's a guy who does that. Like he, there was no nonsense um, from his game. And and that's that's what you love to see from, from a new Toronto FC center back. And what's wild is in a couple of weeks, this guy is going to be the fourth center back on the Toronto FC death chart. Like, come on, that's do you want to talk about depth on a squad? That that's quality right there. That's quality. That's quality. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. talk about how how great this is having Bob Bradley as a coach. I mean, that quote was unbelievable. We're going to learn so much by osmosis from how honest and brutal Bob is with our squad. You know, in a, in a way that we won't get just you know listening to Pep talk about City if we're not City diehards, right? These are our guys. These are our guys, and we and we've got like a, a genius tactician now giving us insight into our guys, and I just I love it so much. It makes me so 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 happy. But you know, it's, it's crazy. Go ahead, chiming in quickly. It's crazy what a reputation does um, mm-hmm. when you're a coach. Like look at look at the mindset of TFC fans when Chris Armis first uh, came to the club. They were scrutinizing, mm-hmm. questioning everything. I mean, me of course, I I was doing the same. Like I was scrutinizing, questioning. He had me at high press. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, But we had to fight to give him that sort of benefit of the doubt. Whereas Bob Bradley comes in and it's just, it's a natural respect, I guess you have for someone with that credibility. And I think that's something this team team definitely needed um, heading into, especially uh, this season after, after what was last year. But I thought this was a a move that was probably a year too late. Um, But obviously you can't, do that when he's under contract so just uh just want to point that out that's amazing how uh how perception changes when you have that kind of yep. pedigree as you mentioned jeff mm-hmm. yep i mean uh mitch threw it out before um guys that that impressed and really really elevated their their stature which means we've got to talk about to kill marshall ready because he was mm-hmm. unbelievable i know i know we're going to get to Jaden nelson who i thought was also just insanely good but you know, Jaquiel was named to the team of the week, and he was uh, the subject of some some uh, 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 trade rumors in terms of TFC uh, setting a price tag for him at twenty million dollars, which is unbelievable, and uh, and must be must be the knockoff effect must be confidence for the player. I mean, that's when your club vouches for you at that at that rate. You know, the sky's the limit, right, guys? Yeah. Well, TSN's Matthew Shinetti with with that report, and we all know. Um, Jaquil Mashabuchi spent the, the summer training with the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool. So impressive company there. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it was a rocky, rocky start for, to the game for JMR. He was very much at fault. I thought for, for that first goal in terms of the space Absolutely. he left on the flank for the ball whipped in. And what was interesting was I thought FC Dallas tried to exploit him after that. I thought they tried to attack his side as much as possible. And he very mm-hmm. quickly learned from that mistake, um, and had a, solid solid performance overall which i think is is a huge credit and if we're talking about again like little moments that kind of show the game as a whole it was the same with toronto fc in some ways you know last year they get punched in the mouth nine minutes into the game and there's no way they're getting any sort of results out of it this year it's an early indication that this team has a little more substance to it a little more fight back and you know they're not just gonna lay down and and lose it points on the road if, if they get scored on that easy because I think all of us see that early goal and we go this is going to be a long day with these these young fullbacks and also you know this is just last year all over again 
And yet I was, I think I'm the only person in the prediction league that said we would, I, that won my own bonus point, which was that we were going to concede in the first, uh, in the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, I think there were moments for both. Uh, Schaff had a bit of a howler, but then that slide tackle to save a, a clear, a clear attempt on goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a bit of a redemption tour for, for our man, uh, Schaffelback. So, you know, I guess in a roundabout way, let's talk, let, let's talk to fullbacks. Like you, you're sort of getting there. You know, I was impressed uh, because let's be honest, we expected mistakes. Um, it's not easy uh, to do this. And uh, I, I think all signs point to this experiment, at least uh, allowing for more games to, to prove itself out, to prove the concept. Yeah, I think as any young player adjusting to a new position, Jeff, as you're kind of alluding to it, as Jonathan Osorio said after the game, like they're going to make mistakes. Like they're going to learn on the fly. And Absolutely. that's never tough for anyone to do, let alone a 17 year old. And what's Jacob now, 21 years old, mm-hmm. to, to adjust to new positions there. I thought, I thought Jaquil was, was fantastic, uh, in my opinion. I thought his quality showed in terms of the way that he thinks the game, which in my opinion is still the biggest asset of, of yep. his overall skill set. I mean, this guy's playing and seeing things. No 17 year old in major league soccer should be seeing. He's playing the game like a, like a veteran out there. And I even thinks he sees the game ahead of times as, as some veterans on the team. And mm. I think his ability with the ball is is just unbelievable as well um his ability to keep the ball in tight areas uh again his decision making with the ball to do it quickly and and read the game overall is is great and what should he have deserved a team of the week honors i mean probably not like he probably could find a way to to, yeah you could probably find a way to, to fit someone else in there but he wasn't that bad at all um but maybe it is a little bit of marketing by the league to kind of inflate their next uh up and coming superstars um value but i don't think i don't think a team of the week i don't think a team of the week mentioned kind of does that in my opinion at least it's going to give him some confidence so thanks you an extra million Mm -hmm. for for the team of the week nod but i i again i thought jaquil was was excellent in the game and i'm excited to see kind of how he builds into this role moving forward i don't think this is what's what's crazy about this is i don't think jaquil potentially would have been starting on this team had it not been for a couple of moves that transpired in the offseason mm-hmm. and now that this opportunity has sort of fallen into his lap i think he's the guy who's going to benefit the most overall on the team and we've been saying for, for a it. while this this kid needs minutes and it, he he looks ready out there uh, in he's my gonna opinion. get him and, and yep. doing that while uh, while adjusting to a new position as well is is pretty remarkable. And I mean, I never saw Jaquil being being a right back in this league, but credit to Bob Bradley, who's willing and yeah, willing to to put Jaquil Marshall Rudy at a right back position for your starting eleven. Like that's mm-hmm. to me is, is that speaks volumes. And and it's, you want to talk about confidence, Jeff? That instills confidence in you as a oh, player absolutely. when your mm-hmm. your head coach yeah. is willing to trust you at a new <laughs> position and mm-hmm. and all of that and. So um, that was great. And same thing with Schaffelberg on, on the left-hand side. As Bob Bradley said after the match, he grew into the game, yep. which is really impressive, especially when you what he picked up a yellow card in the 17th minute or something mm. like that. And in my opinion, a questionable yellow card, but nevertheless, he still picked up the, the yellow card. And 
from that point on, maybe a little bit further on, like he, he looks solid out there as well. So uh, there, there will be more competition coming in f- to that left back spot, center back spot for, for Jacob Schaffelberg's position. But he has an opportunity right now to, I guess, at least adjust to that position and add it to his arsenal because this is a guy, in my opinion, could be a Swiss Army knife for this team moving forward as sort of a super sub and bringing in fresh legs off the bench and whether that's on the right wing or, you know, even through the middle, perhaps. Um, He's a guy who who has the legs to uh, make an impact off the bench, in my opinion, come the second half of the year. What yeah, both yeah. of those guys have, which is something you obviously can't teach, is that recovery speed. Yeah. And oh my god, that's so incredibly, pacing. incredibly important, I think, for for a young fullback or for anyone learning that position. Because I mean, we have point proof in in Alfonso Davies, who was a guy who, when he got moved to fullback, obviously at the very start had some, you know, moments of defensive lapses and <laughs> moments. <laughs> and uh, the same yep. can certainly be said of Schaffelberg and and Jaquil Marshall Rudy in that game. But you know having that speed allows you to learn a little bit faster in, yep. in, in a sense of, of you can just get back on guys and, and shut them down. Um, we saw how many times Alfonso Davies do that to, to people. And we saw Schaffelberg do a very good Alfonso impression on that tackle in the, in the second yeah. half. So I think that's something that, that gives them a lot of value. And you mentioned confidence, Mike, and shifting gears to your boy, Jaden Nelson. I mean, yeah, let's how it. important, I mean, I, I I would obviously want to get this from the player, but I think it was so important. One, him going to Anderlecht this summer and getting to play against his peers and and just to remind himself that, you know, I am good. I am this, you know, Mm -hmm. European quality player who can compete with the best of my peers. Not only that, but now we talked about last season when, you know, this guy's sitting on the bench while, and we don't know what's going on while Chris Armis leads, leads this team into the season. Now he's getting this chance with Bob Bradley, who's, bigging him up all the time in the media, who's giving him those opportunities. And now he looks like that confident guy again, who can yep. beat pretty much anyone. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're bang on there. It's, it's a combination of a couple of those things. And one, I, I don't believe the coaches last year necessarily believed in Jaden Nelson's ability at that time. I don't think they, they thought that Jaden was ready. And obviously they, they showed that they didn't think that he was ready with uh I think oh. we lost Mike. I think he went mute on us. Mike, yeah, he went he mute on us. Yeah. <laughs> you got me back? Did yeah, you yeah, you back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, again, like, I don't think the coaches had faith in him last year. And obviously, he didn't play that much last season, um, even though I believe he anticipated to be playing a lot more than, than he actually did. And, and second of all, is I believe he actually won his, his spot this year. Yep. Um, Coming into this year, I'm not sure if Bob actually had Jaden on his radar instead of the light that he had him has him on right now. And I think Jaden has kind of turned a lot of heads because of his play in preseason and the way that he came into camp. And it, it feels a lot better as a player when you're you're earning your spot. And I think he yeah. he's doing that on, on a daily basis. And obviously, it comes down to kind of how the games go and i thought as i tweeted out that was his, easily his best game in a toronto fc sure Agreed. taking guys on being more direct um i thought his de- decision making for the most part was great and his quality obviously showed and it, it when when jay nelson's at his best he's he's trying those different things and yeah he, he's pulling some of them off and which he did and uh, one thing that stood out to me how about that ball to achara 
I don't know. That was was stupid. That was stupid. Even Caldwell made the producers replay that ball like five times. He's like, show (laughs) show the data to Jake Nelson ball again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I think I think he's gonna have an interesting partnership with Jesus uh, because they're both very intelligent footballers and they can do interesting things. And I think uh, I low key think that might be a partnership and and a chemistry that develops that will be really really good for the club. Well, what he's playing for right now, Jeff, is, I mean, he's only a placeholder on that left wing spot, as we all yeah. know, until July 1. But what he's playing for is is potentially a, a spot on that right wing, because this is a guy who he can play across the front line, whether it's number 10 or, or right winger or left winger. And DeAndre Kerr, I mean, I thought he was okay. I don't think he had the best game, obviously. He was subbed mm-hmm. off at halftime, but... Jaden Nelson could be a guy that potentially competes for with with DeAndre Kerr for that right wing spot come come July one. So if he continues down this path, it, he's it's a good problem for Bob Bradley to have. Is it'll be tough to kind of take Jaden Nelson out of that eleven. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Toronto FC eleven, Mike, you've been handing out this literally all show. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> the the rumors um, for Bicho Romano reporting, of course, among many many others that Dominico Crescito. Um, has signed a contract with Toronto FC and will be joining the club shortly. We we were anticipating him joining the club potentially in July, but it sounds like changes within Genoa um, will bring him here shortly. Now, he's 35 years old, obviously Italian international fullback, but Mike, it seems like the way you've been hinting at it, Toronto FC sees him more as a, as a central defender, unless there's another move here that I'm not aware of that, uh, that might be uh, yeah. in the works as well. No, and I think that that's it. It's a guy who can play either center back or fullback. If Bob Bradley decides to go three at the back there, uh, you can know he can easily slot in on the on that left hand side. And it's a it's something that adds a little bit more versatility to the lineup. You look over the weekend and and look at what happened when Chris Mavinga came off. Carlos Salcedo mm-hmm. seamlessly shifted over to the left, and perhaps arguably even looked better on the left. Not that he was looking bad on the right either. Nope. <laughs> so it, it's just it gives Toronto see more options at the back if they decide to deploy him as as a left left back. So be it. Um, he'll do, he'll do fantastic there, and I just I'm excited to see the way this team shapes up come the arrival of Insigne in the summer. As we know, these guys are are good friends, and that left hand side is is going to be a lot more fun. Like right now, we have Jaden and and Jacob Schaffelberg, who I thought, um. Dallas made a point of pressing that side and cl- give, closing down those options. And I thought they gave away the ball um, far too cheaply at, at times. Mm-hmm. And you think about the upgrade Lorenzo Insigne and, and Domenico Crescito are over. Yeah. <laughs> no offense mm-hmm. to, to Jacob and Jane, but that's a massive upgrade. It makes this team a lot more dangerous. So um, I'm just excited to see kind of the way that they use him. And I'll add is, is I believe he'll be coming over on a free transfer as well, which is important, tomorrow, especially with budget things. Yep. Yeah. All that general and targeted allocation <laughs> money, just burning a hole in our collective pockets. <laughs> just, we need to spend it and then uh, whatever the case might be. Well, yep, speaking yep. of I, that, what, what's really wild, Jeff, is mm-hmm. you guys saw that the rule that came out, right? Where yep. there's now 11 international roster spots that Canadian mm-hmm. teams are allowed. And I'll I'll say this: I don't think TFC are done, guys. They're also worth two hundred and fifty thousand Garber bucks on the open market at at least. So <laughs> yeah, you know, that's we can, true. We can yeah. build quite great- quite a war chest there if we wanted to. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't last in perpetuity. Uh, the 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 you have to spend at least one of them 
within the season or it disappears, correct? Sorry, no, one more time. Yes. Gamma or Tam, one of them one of them can't you can't just bank it for forever, like you gotta spend it by a certain amount of time. Yeah, it, it, I think yeah. it specifies whenever you do make the deal, like if it's twenty twenty two general allocation money or twenty twenty three exactly, uh, target yeah. allocation money tar- target allocation money actually isn't tradable. So right. it's only it's only general allocation money. It's the years are specified as to exactly when. Yeah. The the so one we're gonna, final we're gonna, hmm. Go ahead. Uh, the one final thing I'll say on the the Krishito move that I do like is is obviously we we've, we've talked a lot at length on this show about how young the the other fullback options are. So you have this veteran <laughs> international, um, yeah, law of averages. There we go. Italian, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, mm. now the now yeah. the uh, yeah. now now the average age is like twenty six. Now that yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Comes in. We get um, we get a T bun. Our average yeah. age goes all the way up as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you've got uh, obviously you know between Kate and Chung and, and JMR and Schaffelberg and yep Trasso. That's that's the last guy I'm forgetting. You've got an incredibly young group of fullbacks who now get to learn from a world class at one point at least fullback. Um, so that's you know that's that's good. Yeah, that's exactly yeah that's good. That's good. Yep. That's good <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, let's let's chat quickly about the the home opener coming up the, the Saturday for Toronto FC. Um, the Rebels coming into town, three-one win or San Jose in their opener. They just added English forward Ashley Fletcher on loan, a twenty-six-year-old player for West Ham, Middlesbrough, and Watford. So we don't know if Man United game, Academy product. Good ad. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Lewis Morgan as well from from Inter Miami. Um, and Caden Clark in one of the funnier moves I think in MLS history, which yep. is the fact they had to pay a whole ton of money to buy back Bring their own back. player on loan. <laughs> yeah, ouch, um, ouch for and, that. Uh, Luke, Luke. I don't know how to say that name. Anyway, they brought in another designated player, 25-year-old <laughs> Brazilian attacker from Legia Warsaw. Um, nice. Yeah, as a, yeah, as I said, as a DP. So a lot of changes to, to New York this season. They'll be an interesting side and, and a good test for Toronto FC at, at home. Absolutely. I, and we get yeah. to go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the first time, I believe, full capacity, if I'm not mistaken there. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah be... it is. It is. Other than for yeah, Canada obviously, but obviously yeah. So that's exciting, yeah. Aside from mm-hmm. Canada, of course, and we're talking about Hamilton as well because come on, that was that was pretty much full capacity. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much full capacity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's exciting. I mean, the players have talked about it. BMO Field wasn't the same last year. I mean, how can you argue with that? And interested to see kind of what what crowd shows up there on on Saturday afternoon, two p.m. kickoff, and just shifting things over to the Red Bulls a little bit. Um, their manager, uh, Jared Schruber, he was talking a lot before their last match about how this team needs signings. I mean, this guy was complaining about essentially, essentially complaining about the squad and, and their quality. And nice. well, behold, there they go. They go out there and they, um, I guess they make him pretty happy. They picked up a win. I believe it was against the San Jose earthquakes Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, on, on the road too. So, which was a little bit more impressive as well. And, TFC historically, I mean, we know we know what it's like playing against the Red Bulls. It's, it typically doesn't it go well for Toronto yeah. FC. So maybe Bob Bradley has has a plan about against obviously what's going to be a very energetic and, and high pressing team, and it's going to be it's it's going to be an important one to kind of set the tone at home at BMO Field because that's Agreed. what you want to make as your fortress. We know how hard yep. it is to win on the road in Major League Soccer, and we know how important these these home matches are. So let's see if TFC can kind of get off the right foot 
here at BMO Field, and hopefully it's uh, going to be in front of a, an energetic and loud crowd is something we've missed for a very long time. I have faith. I absolutely have faith. I'll certainly be energetic and loud. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's let's finish up with uh, with a shout out to to uh, to Oso and his decade of excellence, as as Mitch so capably <laughs> wrote out on the on the rundown. I like it. It should it should come in a different font. I mean, what can what can you say about Oso? Like honestly, he's just. It's been such such a pleasure to watch him. Uh, I can't. I think it was a uh, one of those TSN MLS highlight shows. Uh, and I can't remember the moment, but but Oso gave an interview, and and it was just so interesting because it was an older clip of Oso playing, and I mean he's just he's rounding into such a superb soccer player. It really mm-hmm. it really is so wonderful to witness, and and it's it's you know it's been so low key and just constant improvement. I mean this guy. This guy scores big goals for the Canadian men's national team. He scores big goals for Toronto FC. You know, remember when when the ball ending up on his foot in the box was a kiss of death for goal scoring? And now, <laughs> yeah. now he just he's figured out how to pass the ball into the net and has like the deftest, softest touch and is doing back heels. Like it's crazy. I, I love the man. He's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to define the the decade of excellence, Jonathan Osorio has now scored with that opening goal against FC Dallas in 10 straight seasons for Toronto FC. So incredible statistic there. And I think a player who we're going to look back on as one of the really, really important players in terms of the Canadian men's national team and Canadian soccer transition, because this is pretty much the lone guy who's ever been you know, a consistent Canadian on Toronto FC. Yep. He's been through, like we said, 10 years of just being solidly, obviously he's had some moments where he's been out of the lineup, but he's been a pretty key player for Toronto FC for 10 straight seasons, which is a massive, massive credit to him on a, on a team when, you know, that really hasn't been the case. And we've, we've bemoaned that fact for, for so many years. And now he's done the same thing for the national team. You know, he's become a yep. pretty much a starting level player on the Canadian men's national team. And one of the leaders there as well. So, um, an incredible legacy that I think Oso will leave behind. And he's got some big moments left in him because, you know, if, if we want to talk about Oso, that's a big game player. We talk about some mm-hmm. of the goals he scored. This is one of the few guys who has, what, two goals now at the Azteca. Um, it's a big, big performances over the years. So that's, this is a guy that I think is, leaves, you know, is going to leave a lot in terms of Canadian soccer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Here's to on, another Barry. decade of excellence to Jonathan Osorio. I hope you can do, <laughs> you can do two decades of excellence. Absolutely. Yeah, you're bang on with that sentiment, Mitch. I mean, this guy is literally one of our own. Grew up here, mm-hmm. came through the Toronto FC Academy, has developed into a serious, serious MLS professional and really good professional on the international stage as well as, as we've all touched on. And what's What's wild is kind of how his, his role has evolved here down the years is he's now become, he's gone from being that guy who who's breaking in and, and defying all the odds as a Canadian in major league soccer to now someone who's an ambassador for, for this, yep. this role and a guy who all the young guys look up to. I mean, when you ask a long, young guy, young Canadian specifically, who's a player that's helped you out in the club. First guy who comes, comes to mind is always Jonathan Azario. You know, this is a guy Truth. who's walked the walk, um, and he's really important for some of the guys right now who are coming through and trying to replicate exactly the same sort of success that that Ozo's had here with TFC. And it's great to see him 
start this year off with with the goal the first goal for toronto fc in 2022 i don't think it could be more fitting than that that jonathan osorio kind of scores that goal because we we talk about all the players that are coming in all these international players talk about pozuelo kind of refining his form and in salcedo and he's a salmonez but often a guy who kind of gets overlooked there is is ozo and he just subtly reminded us hey i'm still here i'm still gonna do my (laughs) thing and yep and it's great to see him get off get off uh, uh, on a good mark. Well, well we're what? still here. We'll still be doing our thing this season, but we're going <laughs> to end, uh, end the show there for this week. Thank you uh, so much, Kelsey Braid, for for taking the time to join us and you know asking us questions as well. Turning the table, we always <laughs> we always appreciate that. Uh, when, I, when you obviously guests uh, make this wider conversation, so that was awesome. Um, and expect a, a little surprise bonus episode as well this week as Jeff sat down with the kit nerd himself, Mark Hinckley of the Vocal Minority Podcast, to discuss the best and worst MLS has to offer in terms of fashion this season, <laughs> guys. On behalf of that man, Jeffrey P. Nesker, and Michael Singh, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Until next Tuesday. Oh. Right. Now I just got to Or until get Jeff the gets thing. the outro going. <laughs>